Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Well, good morning. Welcome to Collective. If we've never met before, my name is Tyler, and I have the privilege of being one of the lead pastors at Collective. I don't know if you noticed it, but it's fall. Like, it's like the first day of fall, and then it dropped, like, 10 degrees. Who's, who's saying boo? Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved it. Lee, Lee and I were walking this week, and I was wearing a sweatshirt, and she's like, this is your ideal, isn't it? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I think she was shivering, so... It just, it feels like fall, and then the, the rain this morning, and there was a bit of a, like, fog outside. It looked beautiful. Um, I love fall, and for us at Collective, we use fall as a, a launch point. We launched co-groups this past week, and I want to just, even on that, let you know that uh, you can continue to join co-groups. It's not like we launch them and, open, and then that's it. You miss your chance there's still an opportunity to do so. But we're in this series called Real Community, connected to launching co-groups for us to explore what is the, the way of Jesus for life together? Well, what does that look like? How do we engage with that? What does it mean to actually experience community as we are intended to? And this week, I, I just, I want to I wanna let you know that my goal in this message or my sermon is, is to just reinforce this idea of us as a community moving from a community of consumers to a community of contributors. For us to move from just consuming, from looking at church as uh, providing us with more religious goods and services that we just kind of take in and do DIY faith and help other people take care of things and we just kind of take it in to instead us being active contributors in what God is trying to do. For many of us, it's easier to spectate and consume. It's easier to watch other people making a difference. But can I just let you know on the other side of it, the the real good stuff happens when you reject that and you choose to contribute your gifts to what God is doing. That's where something significant happens in you and through you. We don't want to be a church of consumers, but instead a church of contributors. And there is this passage in Ephesians 4 that, that I think is helpful in even understanding my role in that. I, I know some of you in the room might be going like, Tyler, what do you do? Like, what is the point of your job? Like, what do you do through the week? I just pray and fast. Every moment of every single day, I just, God, at five, five o'clock, then I'll be done, but I'm just going to, no, there, what, what is the responsibility of my job? Yeah, hopefully there is praying and fasting, and there is. What is the responsibility? Well, Ephesians 4, verse 12, it actually speaks to one part of that. <laughs> Do you want me to go down again so you can get a picture of that? <laughs> Megan's like, quickly. Ephesians 4, verse 12 actually talks about one of the responsibilities. It's talking about leadership in the church. And in leadership in the church, there's multiple gifts that represent leadership. But it says that their responsibility, our responsibility, my responsibility is this. Equipping God's people to do his work 
and build up the church, the body of Christ. Okay, that's part of my responsibility to equip God's people, that's you, to do God's work and build up his church, the body of Christ. Now, I want you just to notice there's some significant things even in that, that I don't equip you to remember God's work. I don't equip you to talk about God's work. I don't equip you to just be about studying God's work. That part of my responsibility is to equip you to what? Do God's work. Sometimes we settle into this rhythm of of just kind of being content to go, I just I want to be with God. And God goes, yes, I want you to be with me. And I also have things for you to do. That there is an activity connected to it. That there's this responsibility that we're with God, but also that we are working for God in what he wants to do. My responsibility is to help equip you to do God's work. Why? To build God's church. For so long, building God's church was the responsibility of a select few. And if they had some gifts that were public, then you go, okay, they're the ones responsible. But who's responsible for building God's church? We are. All of us. Every single one of us have a part to play. This is why it's so important that we, that we move from being a community of consumers to a community of contributors, because God is looking at us and he's saying, I want you to do my work, build my church, build up the body of Christ. And you know what's so encouraging about that? If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, if you have become an apprentice to the way of Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, he doesn't just say, hey, do my work. He actually equips you to do his work. In fact, he gives you a a specific gift, a unique contribution that only you can contribute to his work to build the church. And my responsibility is to equip you to use that, to equip you to use your gifts to do his work and build his church, which inevitably means that I will lead you out of your comfort zone into a place that you might experience some tension. This is part of my responsibility to not recognize, okay, uh, I'm not going to grow in a place where I'm super comfortable. I'm going to grow where I am trusting God to lead. I want to lead you into where you can grow and use your gift. And so if you ever experience tension as I'm doing so, God told me to. <laughs> I want to pray for us and get into this. God, as we, as we live our lives, may we be people that do your work and build your church, and not for the sake of us and not to build some platform or to try to build some sense of idolatry, but instead to just all of us do our part to do what you're wanting us to do. God, I pray that you would speak to each one of us. Pray that my words wouldn't be my words, but instead that your words would speak, that you would speak through me, that you would reach each one of us, that you would connect to each one of us exactly where we are, and that you would lead us closer. God, help us to hear your voice and help us to respond and follow you. God, I need you and we need you. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you can remember back to two weeks ago, 
Like, this is one of the things that, that sometimes pastors are like, if you remember my, what I said two weeks ago, and people are like, I barely remember what you said three and a half minutes ago. Two weeks ago, I was speaking about this beautiful metaphor that we find in the Bible of what even Ephesians talked about, the body of Christ. Thinking about the church as a body of Christ. This passage in Romans 12, and I, I said that week that I was going to gloss over some spots and then hit it in a future week. This is that week where I want to look at a couple of different verses and, and help us to understand what does that mean and what is my part to play in that. So I want to read a passage in Romans. And just as a refresher, if you're, if you're not super familiar, or if sometimes you go, I don't know, what, what is Romans to just come out of the sky and land? No, Paul, who was a persecutor of the church and found Jesus in a moment, his life changed. He went from being someone who saw Christians murdered to someone who was planting churches. He wrote letters to churches that he started. This is one of them, to the church in Rome. And Paul is writing to the church in Rome and he's guiding them and he's leading them out of their comfort into growth. And it's a really interesting scenario because the church is made up of two distinct groups. There's the Romans, and they have all of their ideologies, and the Jewish people, and they have all their ideologies, and he's taking two groups of people that are disconnected and in some ways opposite, and he's trying to bring them together into what does it actually mean to be the church. It's a, it's a beautiful and poignant book for us today, where things are divided, going, actually, what does it look like for us to be united around Jesus? And so I'm going to read from Romans, verse, uh, Romans chapter 12, 3 to 8, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Now, here's, here's something I, I want to just make sure I'm always clear. Uh, you can absolutely feel free to read along. We'll have it on the screen, but you can read along in your own Bible. And part of why I think that's helpful is just to go, I'm not making stuff up. Like, it's not like you go, wow, Tyler had some things, but I don't know where that came from. You can actually find it in the text. And part of what I want to do is encourage you to be reinforcing, okay, is that true? What do I see here? What do I notice? To be engaging with our Bibles and God's word more actively. So Romans 12, 3 to 8, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So if you need to switch your translation on your app, do it now. Romans 12, verse 3 says this. So this is Paul writing. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And I want to reiterate, and, and I hope that, that you get sick of even hearing this, because I think it's important that we want to be a community of people that are contributors, not consumers. When we look at this passage, we actually find that. Okay, so if we want to be a community of contributors, not just consumers, how do we do that? 
Like, I'm gonna not even bury the lead and just go, how? How do we do that? We need to discover, use, and develop our spiritual gifts in the context of community. We have to discover and develop and use our spiritual gifts in the context of community. Now, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts, and and let me just define it really briefly. Even in verse 6, Paul talks about it. He says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. A spiritual gift is a God-given, Holy Spirit-inspired ability that we have. Now, you might be wondering, okay, how do I know the difference between a spiritual gift and just some of my natural abilities? Well, the beautiful thing is God often uses our natural abilities to showcase our spiritual gifts. They're often interconnected. There are often things that we are uniquely wired in our wiring, a personality that God uses to actually showcase our spiritual gifts. And some of us in the room, we go, I have no clue what my spiritual gift is. I have no idea. I, I, I hear that. I hear a, a bit of a list, but I don't know what, what mine is. I have no idea. Well, if you are part of a co-group, you'll have an opportunity to do so. Your leader is going to send you a, a spiritual gifts test to do in advance of your co-group where you can actually go, yeah, what are some of my gifts? And there are going to be things that you go, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that was even a gift. But I want to just let you know that a test, a spiritual test, is just the beginning. Like us doing a test, and we've all done it where it's, I've never done the one where it's, which Disney princess are you? But, you know, all the BuzzFeed, all the BuzzFeed ones are like, which character from whatever? A, a gift test like that is valuable, but it's not the end. It's not like you did it and go, that's it. Part of that is because sometimes we don't know ourselves super well. Sometimes we're like, I'm really good at this. And our friends go, I love you so much. You are not great at that. But the beauty of community is that, is that community can say, actually, you're really great at this. I noticed something in you that is amazing. Spiritual gifts can represent something that we do uncommonly well. Something that comes so easily to us that we don't even realize that that's unique. There are things that each of us do that you go, I just do that. And people are like, how? And you're like, I don't know. It's just, it's just, I just do it. That might be an indication that there's some spiritual gifts there. It might be an indication that it's something to lean into where there's something that God has uniquely wired you to do that he's using natural gifts and abilities and, he, and he's identifying spiritual gifts and we do that best in the context of community. The people that know us well can call out things in us that we might not see in ourselves. It's so helpful for us to recognize that community can sometimes look at us and go, there's something unique that you have and because they call it out, we're not sitting there thinking, well, I think I just made that up. We can be reminded, oh, I remember when Todd said this about me. I, rem I remember when Will said this about me. I think maybe there's truth. We can explore that together. And Paul is writing and he says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your self-evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So Paul is about to unpack these spiritual gifts and why they're significant and the unique contribution that we can make to the church as a whole. But before he does, he does something so astute. 
He causes us to be honest in our self-reflection. He causes us to actually self-reflect. Before I tell you that you have a unique contribution, I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you actually to reflect on yourself. Don't think you're better than you are. And be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. We have a daughter. Lee and I have a daughter named Ava, and Ava is six. And Ava loves art, and she loves drawing, which makes Lee and I both happy. Lee's a graphic designer, and that is my background. So when we see that aptitude in our kids, we encourage it. Ava loves to draw. And Ava will draw these pictures, and then she'll bring them to us. And, and, and oftentimes we're looking at going, wow, Ava, this, this art is amazing. This is really, really, really good. You are so talented. Do you know what Ava's response is? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I am really good at drawing. I'm pretty much the best at drawing. I'm amazing at drawing. I'd love to tell you that's an exaggeration. It's like 90% not an exaggeration. She's like, like, clearly we've done a good job encouraging confidence in our kids. She's like, I am really good at this. <laughs> now, can I just be honest? She's good for a six-year-old. She's no Picasso. There's no sense that you look at him like, I can't believe a human being did this, right? And yet there's this confidence that she has where she's like, my mom and dad tell me I'm amazing. Look, it's true, I knew. And it's super cute in a six-year-old, right? She does that, and I'm like, man, I love that. I love that confidence. The, the little bit of entitlement, the little bit of, of, of confidence that is airing on cockiness is not so cute in a 26-year-old or a 36-year-old or a 46-year-old or take your pick. There comes a point that you need to be honest with yourself, and if your sense is, I am so amazing, I have this inflated view of myself, there might be a problem. We've been around people like that, never us. We would never do that. But we're around people like that. I've been around people that, that go like, I am so gifted as a leader. Like they say that, and you go, man, it's crazy because I don't see anyone following you. Like, an evidence of a leader should be some people following where you're going, right? And people that have this inflated view. There are people that look and go, I am so amazing at this. And you go, you know, your life would demonstrate that's not true. And so it's important that we recognize that one element that, that is evidence of a spiritual gift is that there's some fruit there. That there's a demonstration of its significance. That if there's something that we're wired, that God has given us a spiritual gift, that there should be evidence that that actually, that that actually makes a difference. And the reality is, is it exposes two dysfunctional views of spiritual gifts. And I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you wrestle as I unpack which of the, two, of the two, which one you resonate with more, which one you struggle with more. But I, when we recognize that we have spiritual gifts, some of us struggle with pride and some of us struggle with comparison. Pride is that, is that sense of seeing ourselves as something better than we are, having maybe a mis, misaligned view of who we are. And Paul says it, don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. For some of us, we just go, no, I'm amazing at everything. I, there's 22 spiritual gifts. I have every one of them. <laughs> You're like, I don't think you do. 
But can we be really, really honest and go, for most of us, most of us, that's not our problem. For most of us, it's not this sense of inflated. For many of us, it's the comparison and deflating. We go, I think I, like someone said, Will goes, hey, you have this spiritual gift. And you go, I don't think I do. Like, I don't, I don't think I do. That's, yeah, thank you. That's not. Or we take our gifts and we go, yeah, but that's not as significant as someone else's. We go, yeah, yeah, God has given me gifts, but my gifts aren't very good. They're, they're just whatever. Other people have better gifts. That can be a, a struggle for us. There can be many of us that that's where we find ourselves, where we compare our gifts with other people and we find ourselves lacking. But Paul is reminding us here. Each of us, each of you has a unique contribution, something special that you bring to the whole. And yet for many of us, we struggle with believing that. It exposes some things. And I recognize that it, it exposes some things, and if we just kind of leave it there and go, so we'll figure that out, you go home and, what do I do with that? Like, there's some lies that I believe. In your co-groups this week, you're going to spend some time talking through that. You're going to go, okay, this, I honestly, I struggle with this, with this comparison, and we want to allow community to pray over you and pray for you and to speak truth into your life. We don't want to just leave you there where you're going, yeah, I feel this sense of comparison or inadequacy, or I feel like a, I feel like a, a false, like a pretender or an imposter. We want to actually work through some of that. But I notice that for some of us, when we think about spiritual gifts, is what we do is we rank them. We go, okay, leadership gift, that's probably, yeah, that's like a good one. Uh, hospitality, I don't know. But that's not the reality. The reality is that all the gifts are essential. That when we think about ourselves, this church as a body, every single gift is unique and special and important. Every single one. And that can be hard for us to believe. But it is how God sees it. And even as Paul speaks about it, he helps us to see a different way that we understand this body as a whole. Paul continues, and he, and he talks about some gifts. He says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. And if it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, this is not a comprehensive list of every single gift. Most, most that I found is like 22 gifts, and there's some amazing sites that, that kind of give you a breakdown and where you can find them. But it, it is a helpful list because we find some things that I think, if we're being honest, we would not, we're not sure what to do with, or we didn't know that was a gift, or maybe we ranked them. So even let's work through. So prophecy if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Prophecy is the ability to communicate what God is saying to other people. And some of us in the room have that gift and think, oh, no, it's only like the big, massive expressions. But then we talk to people and we're able to say things that connect with them and they go, I think God might be speaking. Prophecy is a gift that is not just for the 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 massive or the stage, but for the interpersonal relationships or the serving. Wait, that's a spiritual gift, serving. Now, can I just be honest in case some of you are like, I don't have that gift. 
all of us as Christians are meant to be servants. We look at Jesus who served others. That was his posture. But some of us have a unique serving gift. We've been around people like that. If you spend any time with Pam and Kevin, they're not here today, they have a servant gift. Like there's something on them that when they, when they operate in that, that you go, okay, this is, there's some uniqueness. So some of us have that gift, the ability to serve people well. What about the next one? Teaching, the gift of teaching. We have some teachers in the room. We have teachers that are part of collective. And there's the vocation of teaching, but oftentimes it's connected to the gift of teaching. What does a teacher do? The gift of teaching. Take something that is complex and makes it understandable. Take something that seems so discordant or complicated and and helps us to understand and apply it in our life. If you have that gift, use it. In fact, I would encourage you, use it in, in kids' ministry where we have our future generation that are trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus, if you can help them to discover what it means to follow Jesus in every single day, that will make a significant difference. We have people that are teachers in co-groups that are helping others to learn what God is saying, to take this, which at times can be overwhelming and confusing, and helping us to go, okay, I, I see it more clearly. If you have that gift, teach well. Or the gift of encouragement. Have you ever been around someone that has the gift of encouragement? If you haven't, you should, because it's the greatest. They say things, and you're like, oh, man, I just feel so good now. Like, I feel encouraged. I feel like I can do this. Someone sees me. If you have that enc- the gift of encouragement, use it. I-, I talk about it with the team often that what I notice is culturally we're really, really specific with our criticism of people and really general with our encouragement. So we'll go like, hey, let me tell you the 14 things you did wrong. But great job, pal. And you're like, I don't feel like I'm doing a great job. I feel like crap and I feel discouraged. What if, like, we should be specific if there's areas of growth, but what if we were really specific in all the things that someone did well? You know what I notice when I do that to people? If I encourage them specifically, most people are like, Thank you, I'm not sure what to do with this. Because we're uncomfortable with it, because we're like, I'm not used to being encouraged. I'm not used to hearing things, and I'm not sure how to take this. So it's like, thanks. What would it look like to actually use that gift if we have it? And then the next one I think for many of us is surprising. If you have the gift of giving, give generously. Did you know that's a spiritual gift? There are some people that are uniquely wired to make money so that they can give it to the local church or to, to organizations that are outside of the church to advance God's work. That, that, that's a gift, that there are people with that gift. And that's not just people that are, are multi-multi-millionaires. That could be people that are working normal jobs and yet seem to have more left over and can make money and then give it and have a heart for that. That's a gift. And then we have the gift of leadership, which I do think inside of the church, sometimes we elevate this as if this is the ultimate gift. This is just another gift. And if you have the gift of leadership, there's a reminder that Paul gives us that this is a serious responsibility. So let me just, as someone on that side, that if you're like, man, I just wish I had the gift of leadership. Do you? Because there's a weight to that. There's a responsibility 
that when I read that verse earlier about equipping God's people to do his work and build his church, there will be a moment that I stand before God to answer the question, did I do that? That's unique. If you have the gift of leadership, take it seriously. And then the final one, if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Even that, you're like, wait, showing kindness to others? Other translations say showing mercy to others. That's a gift. Spend some time with Lee and you'll see that gift. The gift of showing mercy to others, caring for each other, letting people know that they can, be, they can take down their, all, the, all the worries or the, the, the barriers that they put up, the fences, the, the guardedness, and, and instead be cared for. Now, this is a short bit of all of the gifts, but I want you to notice some really significant patterns here. Paul is unpacking some of the gifts, and what is he doing? Almost every single time he's saying, do it well, take it seriously, do it gladly. There's an action to it. It's not just, uh, so if you find out that your gift is serving, just thank God for that gift. And, uh, you know, sit at home and talk about the gift. Just admire the gift. No, it's saying, use it. Use the gift. Make sure you're doing it well and take it seriously. Do it with joy. Do it with gladness. I want to remind us that our spiritual gifts are not meant to be admired or watched. They're not meant to be displayed. Instead, they are meant to be used. Your gifts are not meant to live on a shelf telling other people about. Like we're, so you do the spiritual gifts test. And you go, I discovered my gift is hospitality. And so you're telling everyone... My gift is hospitality, but you never host anyone. That's not success. You're like, I'm really good. I'm really hospitable, but I'm never going to use it. Instead, God's invitation is to discover your gift and use your gift. But don't just use it. Develop it. See, with any of our spiritual gifts, it's very rare that we're given spiritual gifts that are fully formed. God will give us the gift, and he'll give us some raw ingredients, and then he'll entrust us with developing them. And we don't develop them by ourselves. We develop them in the context of community. It's where we're able to grow in our gifts. It's also where that gift of encouragement is so significant because we encourage each other to use their gifts and, and develop their gifts and grow in their gifts inside of community. God entrusts us with a gift, and he entrusts us with developing it. Why? Like, why does this matter? Okay, so if we want to move from being a church of consumers to a church of, con of contributors, the how is that we want, to, we want to discover, develop, and use our gifts. But why is this important? Like, if you're anything like me, you want to know. I, I want to know why? I want to know why this matters. I want to know why God has wired me like this or what he expects me to do and why that matters. Well, Paul tells us. He tells us in another, in another letter that he writes to the Ephesian church in Ephesians 4, 6, and he says this, he, who is God, God makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This is why this matters. Because when we use our gifts to do what only we can do, we help others to grow. 
And we help the church to become healthier as it grows, growing in love. We each do our part to ensure that the whole body is healthy. When we use our gifts, when we develop our gifts, it has a more significant impact than we know on the whole body of Christ, on the church as a whole. And I just want to let you know that we want the whole body to be healthy. We want our church to be healthy. And I want you to think about even this metaphor in your own life. Like you have a body, and I want you to just imagine one part of your body is not working well. So just imagine one day you wake up and your arm just stops working completely. Is your response going to be going, huh, that's weird. I'm sure it'll sort itself out. No, I hope not, unless you're a farmer. And then farmers are like, whatever, I'll just, I'll do it anyway. For most of us, we go, something's wrong. I need to go sort it out. If one of your eyes stops working and you can only see out of one eye, are you going to be going, well, at least I have one No, you're going to be going, what's wrong with my eye? Why is this not working? What would you do? You would immediately recognize there's some areas where something's not healthy. I need to do something about it. Now think about that in the context of the church. There are areas of the church that could be healthier because you are meant to contribute your gifts so that other people could get healthier. There are people, like if you think about someone who serves, they're using their hands to care for others. If you think about someone who, is, who has the gift of evangelism, they're walking like feet to go into places that aren't being reached. If there are parts of our body that are not functioning well, when you think about the body of Christ, it is a problem. The truth is we need each other. I mentioned it two weeks ago, this idea of being interdependent. We are interdependent, and, and sometimes we don't realize it. Sometimes we just go like, I'm not needed, I'm not noticed, I'm not valued. I want to let you know that you are more needed and valued than you know. The guy looks at you and says, you have a part to play in this. You have a part to bring health into this body that I'm building And in that, you can bring health to the whole. And you sit there and go, well, my part is small, and I don't have great gifts. But if you use those gifts, we see health, and we grow in love. Now, you may be wondering, okay, so I'm seeing some of the how, seeing some of the why. And I'm also just wondering, okay, are you talking about about using your gifts to serve on Sunday? Yes. Are you talking about using your gifts to serve outside of Sunday? Also, yes. Like this is, our spiritual gifts are not just so we can pull off a Sunday and go, well, I did it this week. God actually wants us to use our gifts to build the church and build his body every single day of every single week. That every single moment he invites us to step into our unique contribution. And so is there something, are there things you can do on a Sunday? Absolutely. Are there things that God is inviting you to do through the week? You betcha. And some of us, we go, I'll use my gifts on Sunday and then put them on the shelf till next Sunday. Nope. And some of us go, well, I kind of sometimes use it through the week, but I don't really use it on Sunday. Also, no. Like for us, we want to be the kind of church that is the church, functions as the church every single day. And I just want to let you know that none of this works outside of community. None of it works outside of the context of actual community. 
It's not an individual activity, and I get it. We live in a culture where it's highly individualistic, and we go, it's about me and my personal relationship with Jesus. I actually read a stat. They did some research in the States, and it was something like 70% of Christians said um, that it was enough to just worship by yourself. They didn't need to be part of any kind of church. 70%, and can I just be the first one to tell you that's not true. That, that when we worship, yeah, it's important, we worship by ourselves, but there is something significant that God does when we function as a body. If you are a hand just doing your own thing, you are missing out on the opportunity of being part of something greater. If your wiring is this specific wiring and you just use it by yourself, you are missing out on fully activating who you are and can be in the context of the whole. Our spiritual gifts need to be called out in community, encouraged in community, developed in community, and used in community. And so even in terms of that, we're going to take some steps this week in our co-group to call out and encourage our spiritual gifts. We're going we're to actually pray over each other and encourage each other in what it looks like to develop and actually use our gifts. Practically, because we can say in our heads, I'm going to use my gift this week on Monday. And then Monday comes and you go, next Monday. And then next Monday comes, you're like, in January. We want to, as a community, expand on this idea that we want to be people that practice and take what we are learning and apply it in our lives. But I want to just take it away from even that. Can you imagine if in our communities... In the people, we, we actively called out the spiritual gifts we saw in each other. Because in the model of church where it's just about a couple of people on the stage and they're doing all of the work, you have one or two people that hopefully can see things. But imagine the whole body calling it out in each other. Suddenly a people beside you is like, have you noticed what you do there is unique? You go, I haven't noticed. Imagine the kind of community that actually called out gifts in each other. It would make a profound difference in our community and in the health of our church. We want to be a community that moves from being consumers to contributors. And how do we do that? We discover, we develop, and we use our spiritual gifts in the context of community. I want to speak to four groups of people and encourage you to respond. Four groups of people. The first is for those who have no idea what your spiritual gift is. Like you're going, I do not know. He said some things. He's saying there's 22 of them. I'm not even sure where to start. I want to encourage you. Join a co-group. Join in this week and actually go on a journey of discovering what are my spiritual gifts. Our co-groups will remain open. They are full and that's good. And we will make space for you. But take a step and actually go, I want to I discover more and more what my gifts are. I want to speak to another group that finds themselves comparing or second-guessing their spiritual gifts. Where you look and you say, I, I, don't, I don't have anything to offer or what I have to offer is not good enough. Uh, if you're in a co-group, you'll have some time to actually work through that. But I want to not just wait till co-group. I would love to encourage you to speak to the prayer team. 
So our prayer team is going to come up as we respond in worship, and they're going to be up at the front. If you are in here and you go, I'm struggling with this, and there's some lies that I can just feel them bubbling up, don't just live there, and don't just leave and go, hopefully it sorts itself out. Let's take a step together. We want to contend for you and with you. So if you're there, be bold and courageous and step out of your seat and go to the prayer team. The third group is for the people in the room that are underusing their gifts. Like you go, I have a pretty good sense of my gifts, but I'm not using them. And, and I recognize that there is some opportunity for me to use my gifts. I want to give you a next step and actually encourage you to go to next steps and connect with some of our team that can help you to figure out, okay, what does it look like to encourage your gifts? How can we, how can we utilize and develop your gifts as a community and, and encourage you and develop it together with you? And the final group, for the people that recognize that they are underdeveloping their gifts. Like you use your gifts, bare minimum. You're like, I, I have the gift of hospitality, so I host people once every six months. And, uh, and it's, it's great. I'm doing the Lord's work. And, and listen, if it's once every six months and that's what's God asking you, great. But for so many of us, we, we've kind of just stopped developing our gifts. And we've gone, you know what? God's given me some abilities and I'm just going to leave it there. I want to challenge you this week to step up. And in this moment, as we worship, I want you to ask God, God, what are you asking me to do? How are you asking me to develop my gifts. So for the people who don't know what their gifts are, join a co-group. For those who are struggling with comparing their gifts, go to the prayer team. For those who are underusing their gifts, go to next steps. And for those who are underdeveloping, which I would guess would be a lot of us, ask God, God, what do you want me to do? And take some steps. Take a step. We are doing co-group this semester and into this next year. We, we are creating intentional space. We're also doing something called Alpha, and that's for people that are unchurched or disconnected from church or curious about church. Maybe part of developing your gift is to be someone who invites and brings. I don't know what God's asking you to do. But I do want to encourage you, let's not be a church that simply spectates and watches other people. And let's not be a church that is content to go, well, I grew last year. Let's be a church that continues to grow. Why? As we grow, we help the body of Christ, the church as a whole, to grow in health and to become more and more loving. I want to invite the prayer team to come up to the front, and I want to ask everyone else to stand as the worship team comes up. I want to ask you to stand, and I want to invite you to, to actually close your eyes and put your hands out in a posture of receiving. Imagine someone is handing you a gift. And I want to I pray a blessing over each of you. God, you have invited us to be a community of people that use our spiritual gifts. You know where each one of us are at. You know that some of us don't know what they are. Some of us don't use them. Some of us don't know how to grow them. Some of us don't. We, we just recognize that there are all sorts of things that you see in each one of us. And I pray that you would give us a greater awareness of our unique spiritual gift, of our contribution, of what you say to us. And that you would encourage us to use our gift, whether it's on a Sunday or through the week, that you would help us to develop our gift, that you in community would use community to call out our gifts, and that through all of that, you would build this church healthier and healthier, that we would be people that demonstrate your love to others, 
that we would be people that step into growth, not comfort. God, speak to us, guide us. And I pray for people in the room that even as we worship, that you would whisper in our ears and you would say what we need to hear. God, that you would draw us closer. We thank you for what you are doing in our co-groups and invite you to do more. We thank you for what you're doing in our teams and invite you to do more. We thank you for what you're doing in our communities and we invite you to do more. God, have your way. Build your church. We love you and we trust you and we need you. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you Sunday. Thank you.